Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1234 in Edmonton. Guests on the show receive guest certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow a sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie, Brendan, and the staff at uh, Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. All right. Uh, we were talking about favorite goals of all time. And uh, George says, Bob, Kevin McClellan's goal against the Islanders, 1984. If the Oilers don't win that game, uh, that series, who knows? Uh, this text comes in out of Edmonton. Bob, my favorite Oilers goal of all time was Steve Smith scoring into his own net from behind the net. Oh, we got a Calgary fan in Edmonton. Uh, this one, Dudley says, out of Edmonton. Bob, how soon they forget every Canadian born before our centennial uh, year should share the same favorite goal. Paul Henderson's series winner against the Russians in 72. Well, at least that's my favorite from Dudley. So, and uh, because we had Fernando Pisani on yesterday, Vince says uh, Fernando Pisani's uh, Game 5 goal was the best. It was an elimination game, great suspense, and I remember hitting the basement floor with my head when he scored the goal. I just remember the shock of being in the building. And again, I, I was sitting next to John Sexsmith down in Carolina and Raleigh, and we were just above the first, uh, you know, like, I guess the first tier of seats. And they'd put additional media in there, and people were in shock. Ben Kuzma is a longtime Vancouver-based writer, but he's also worked in places like Calgary and Kamloops. And, uh, Ben, I'm thinking you might have actually witnessed one of the biggest goals in Oilers history. Yeah, uh, memory serves me correctly, Bob. I believe it uh, was Gretz going down the left side and putting a slap shot over Mike Vernon's shoulder that he's still trying to find to this day. So I certainly remember that back when the Battle of Alberta was a real battle. Yep. Um, I think from a Canuck perspective, a lot come to mind. Uh, certainly the Sedin's final home game here before they retired. Uh, yep. Daniel DeHenrik. But um, I think uh, if you ask uh, anybody who follows the Canucks closely, they would probably dial it back uh, to 2011 on the cup run when the Canucks looked like they were having all kinds of trouble uh, getting out of the first round with Chicago. Uh, got up 3 nothing against the Blackhawks. I remember Jonathan Taves telling me after game, game three that uh, we haven't exposed them for who they are yet. 
quote unquote. Yeah. And then we get to a game seven. Uh, Cage sends it to overtime, and Alex Burrows, as they say in Vancouver, slayed the dragon, and they escaped uh, the first round. And we've seen this a lot where teams gain momentum after a first round victory, especially if you're. Uh, the Canucks, who at the best of times seem to lack some confidence. And uh, we know they didn't quite make it, but certainly, uh, to me, that really stands out. Yeah, the Hawks were the reigning Stanley Cup champs at that time, and it was Chris Campoli who was really... Great trivia question. Yeah, he was the guy that turned the puck over. And, uh, you know, it was during that playoff run, I remember uh, Dan Tenser was working at our station at that time, and he... uh, you know, there was the Canucks were not a popular Canadian team, Ben. Uh, you know, they they had Kessler and, and Bieksa who could back it up. Uh, they had Lapierre who brought you know Alex Burrows who, as you mentioned, scored that goal. But there were a lot of Canadian mark like it, it's different because sometimes I felt like you know what like when the Flames went to the final in '04 and I'd sacrilegious for some others fans, but I think for some others they would have rather seen Calgary win than Tampa. I didn't feel the same love for Vancouver when they played Boston that year for outside of BC or maybe even outside the Lower Mainland. Uh, well, I think a lot of that's predicated, Bob, on the guys you just referenced. A lot of them were extremely polarizing. Uh, yep. As as good as Kessler was with a fourth one goal season that year and winning the Selkie Trophy, uh, even in Vancouver here, uh, because uh, he at the end of the day, he wanted out. Um, to this day, he gets booed every time he comes to play here. So <laughs> sometimes it's not even outside Vancouver. It's uh, even within the city limits. So, uh, But no, that 2011 team was special. You know what I think? I mean, had they stayed healthy, but I think it might have been a different outcome if Roberto Luongo could actually stop a puck at the TD Garden in Boston. Probably would have made a difference. But most importantly, I think they lost the uh, psychological game. I mean, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, Thomas getting into it with Luongo and I didn't know I needed to pump his tires and what, regardless of what you thought of the Rome suspension or just some of the stuff that happens, uh, the game within the game, I thought the Canucks got psyched out. I mean, when you're up 2 nothing and 3-1, yeah, you should win a series. But uh, I think they learned a lot, and uh, it's a bitter memory to this day. But, uh, you know, if you're going to get somewhere, you got to know where you've been, and that year was uh, a real learning uh, curve for this organization. Well, they went to, they've been to, what, three finals, and they lost two in Game 7. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I wasn't working full-time in media back in 94 when uh, I was actually in Prince George uh, during, during the Stanley Cup final that yeah. year. And I was, like, there were seven former Oilers on that team for the Rangers. So we had a crew of guys that were all the Oilers fans, and the rest of the bar were cheering for the Canucks. And you can imagine what it was like in Game Seven. <laughs> so that was uh, there. There was uh, I was last man standing that night. Let me tell you. But uh, I think you and I were doing the same thing. Yes, uh, but uh, no, it's it's interesting, and, and maybe it puts things in perspective. Like you know, there's angst and frustration at the lack of traction that the Oilers have had here, twelve to thirteen years out of the playoffs. They, they get gifted, you know generational superstar and he's lived up to it so far in Connor McDavid um, Edmonton's gone through some significant management change uh, Ben I've done the games this is going to be your 12th coming up and Ken Holland will be my 5th GM and I think Dave Tippett's going to be my 10th coach or maybe my ninth coach So that yeah I, but something tells me you're going to like the GM yeah well Kenny Holland is yeah. And a lot of time for him. Yeah, I think a lot of people have a lot of time for him. Yeah. Jim Benning. Uh, and Jim's a, Jim's a nice, the Benning family's a prominent, uh, you know, family here in Edmonton. Elmer Benning, you'll never meet a better guy. Brian Benning uh, will tell you exactly how he feels on every issue. 
and uh, doesn't really care if you agree or disagree with him. Uh, Matt Benning's, a, a, you know, a serviceable NHL defenseman, you know, might just continue to progress, but certainly can play in the league. But tell me about how it is being perceived in Vancouver that Jim Benning got a contract extension. Well, it's, it's polarizing, but I, I, I don't think we're surprised at maybe the length of it. I mean, what, what, what were they going to do in Vancouver? I mean, a year ago, Trevor Linden left the organization. It wasn't amicable. So your president of Hockey Ops is gone, and there was some duality in that position. So uh, it wasn't your normal corporate-type um, job description. But having said that, uh, you know, when you think of Jim Benning, you think of his scouting history that dates back to his days in Buffalo. But you also think about, you know, does the hockey ops department here need maybe some sort of a senior advisor? When it comes to, I think, assessing pro talent when you're talking about trade or or signing contracts or what you're going to do in free agency, uh, I think there's a bit of a void there. But having said that, um, it's a difficult ownership group to work with. So uh, when you can sell a vision to ownership that you don't think you're that far away, uh, I think he's going to welcome that. You have to understand that Francesco Aquilini is an owner who actually sits at the draft table, which is an anomaly in the NHL, as, as you've seen. Uh, he's very involved in free agent acquisitions. Uh, you know, and when it comes to that first-round pick, uh, he's all in on that, too. So uh, I think you have to a share some sort of a vision. You have to understand a passionate owner. Like The one thing about Aquilini, I mean, he's not afraid to, to spend the cap. Uh, so you have to take that into consideration. It's just that he's an unabashed fan, and uh, you know even takes to Twitter to tell us what he thinks about the team on, a, on almost a daily basis. Right. So Jim Benning's working for a guy that he understands and who has, quite honestly, as an owner, when you're not getting that postseason revenue, and the last time you were in the playoffs was 2015, uh, there has to be a level of patience on ownership side too to stick with a guy who quite frankly had a year left on his deal going into this year i think a lot of us thought that he might get an extension maybe two years because if you do one year and then you get only another year you're a lame duck all over again but to get the three years uh i don't know what that speaks to maybe some trust some loyalty you got a guy at the right price point and really who are you going to get uh on the open market when it comes to a to fill a GM vacancy uh, when this ownership group and a Canadian market, it's a tough cookie. It really is. You have to have somebody who you can't work with who can be difficult to well, work with. Well, uh, Benning and the Canucks have been active. Uh, they got JT Miller at the draft in a trade. Uh, they signed uh, Tyler Myers right away in free agency and then followed it up by uh, signing Michael Ferland a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. Your take on uh, the addition of those three players? Well, I, I think the interesting thing is that one of the reasons that people are wondering, why, why are you doing this contract extension right now? You still haven't signed Besser, but I think a lot of the work was done. Jim Benning said, listen, uh, we need to address the back end. Uh, we need to add to our top six mix. So uh, you mentioned Myers. Uh, Jordy Ben is actually, a, for a third-pairing guy, I thought was a decent acquisition on a two-year deal. The Habs wanted to bring him back, but he wanted to come home to play as a Victoria native. I think you'll bring a little bit of edge that's going to be missing with Antron Roussel gone until Christmas with a knee surgery. Uh, Myers, uh, you know, uh, very polarizing because for a big guy, he doesn't defend that well. You'll probably get a chance to anchor the second power play unit here, which would be interesting if he's going to be a 40-point guy. Up front, I'm not sure. I mean, Miller, the price they paid, I mean, I get the third rounder. I don't get the conditional first. Uh, I think Jim overpaid there. 
um, for a guy who's never scored more than 22 goals, but for a guy who's probably going to play with Pedersen and Besser, a guy who can, you know, can get to the net, can get pucks. So um, they paid a lot for him. They waited a bit on Furlan. Um, they got a guy who's probably going to play with Pearson and Horvat, uh, you know, a 20-plus goal guy who had the concussion last year. I think the bigger concern with me is Furlan had a lot of back problems in the second half. You know, he'd throw a big hit, and then suddenly he'd disappear, then he'd come back into the game, and he's back in the dressing room. So um, you could say uh, Benning accomplished what he had to do. Did he overpay on some fronts? Probably. I mean, Furlan got the four years. Uh, that he probably wasn't going to get elsewhere. So it's a better team uh, than it was a year ago. Uh, and if it stays healthy, and with Quinn Hughes, a full year of Quinn Hughes, a healthy Brock Besser, you know, 81 points last year. I saw some projections for like 89.5, which is what, four more wins. I think the playoff bar is going to be 94. If I was a betting man today, they're going to be better, but I think they just might fall a little bit short of that final wild card spot. They got a, okay. Just can you give us? I, I know you you fired something out on Besser today. What's what? What are you hearing in terms of like the Canucks want to get him on an eight uh, eight year deal? The, does he want a shorter term? What, what's going on there? Well, I think what's happening uh, the last time I talked to his reps was the fact that you know there's an appetite now for the uh, better RFAs to, to go shorter because they're outperforming contracts. Uh, if you look at Timo Meyer's deal in San Jose on, on the first day of free agency as an RFA, he went four years at six mil per, but uh, he will also be an RFA at the end of it all. So it gives the club some, some control. But uh, Meyer's deal is real interesting. It, it's backloaded, and the QO in year four is 10 schmil. And that could be a lot in four years, depending you know, how well these elite uh, RFAs perform. Uh, I know that uh, that kind of scares the Canucks a little bit. Uh, I think... Uh, uh, I've been told that Besser's camp is interested in four years at seven mil. Uh, I think that they were really hard on the seven million dollar figure. Uh, wow. Benny talked about this the other day. That uh, the, the nice thing about the two sides, a they're talking, and and you know some of the comparables that are out there. I mean, if you prorate Besser's performance last year, it comes right out to Myers point total and Kyle Connor's point total and you're talking about guys who are about 0. 0.8, 0. 0.9 points per game which is real comparable. You can prorate guys forever but it's that point per game and uh, Besser aligns with Meyer and he aligns with Connor and Benny did admit the other day that they're using those guys as comparables. I guess the other side of it too Bob is that they are talking about okay maybe going longer locking him up, getting away from some of those uh, you know, buying some free agent years uh, you know, unrestricted free agency, but there seems to be a trend right now uh, where agents are pushing for shorter deals because they think their clients uh, can outperform. So um, that that's where they're kind of at in Vancouver now. I think it'll get done before training camp. I mean, the Canucks only have five mil right now. They're probably going to have to go over uh, to get cap compliant by the first day of the regular season. Uh, they're going to have to get creative. They've got a good lot of forwards. They've got way too many wingers. And uh, Benning's got his work cut out here but between now and early October. Yeah, well, they can put Roussel on LTIR once the season starts. That, that's one That's one option. I mean, I look at a guy like Tim Schaller who, you know, I don't know what happened to Tim Schaller. I mean, he was a 12-goal guy in Boston, uh, anchored the third-best PK, had some shorthanded goals, just never hit the ground here at all, had a really difficult year. He's got a year left at 1.9, and when you factor in the formula for putting guys in the minors, it's a very minimal 
minimal hit. I mean, you can't put right. uh, Louis Erickson in the minors because, you know, the formula. He'd still come out at a $4.9 million cap hit, and he collects his money here for playing in Utica. So <laughs> that's not going to wash with ownership either. I mean, I think what's going to happen in Vancouver is they're very wary of their Novembers. They usually have a long road trip in November, and they kind of fall off the rails. Uh, I think you'll see a very veteran uh, contingent to start the year here. I think you can't move Sutter and his deal. So a guy like Adam Gadette, who you'd like to maybe keep developing at this level, uh, will probably start in Utica because he doesn't need waivers. And you've got Sutter, you know, as your third-line center here. So I'm looking for a very veteran contingent. They might have to carry 14 forwards and seven defensemen until they figure out things because they're actually thinking of re-signing Nikolai Goldobin, who has no leverage, did nothing last year, but they can get him cheap. And uh, I don't know whether that's uh, a sign-and-trade deal or you keep him around as your 14 forward. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Maybe when Rochelle comes back, you expose them. But uh, they've certainly got some work to do because the one thing they do have are a lot of wingers. All right. So you said they theoretically would probably play uh, J.T. Miller with Pedersen and uh, Besser. And then you had Pearson and Furlan flanking uh, flanking Horvat. So is Erickson on the third or fourth? Like, what, how do you see that? And is well, I, I think of it, yeah, I think at this point because you're stuck with a guy who's who's underperformed as much as he has. I actually have him on the fourth line because uh, the one thing he, you know, if it wasn't the six million, maybe I wouldn't we wouldn't have to quibble as much. But right. he is good on the PK. The PK went from 21 to 11th last year, so that that was one improvement yeah. in Vancouver. And he worked well on the PK capacity with Beagle. So I've got him on the fourth line with Josh Josh Levo. I've got uh, Gold Dolben and Tyler Mott as your extras. So there's your 14 guys right there. Uh, I've got uh, third line. I've probably got Berchi on the left side, Sutter in the middle, and Jake Vertanen on the right side because Berchi, of course, with five career concussions. I think you maybe want to bury him a bit. Maybe he doesn't see the first or second pairings and uh, can get his career going again. So that's the way I look at it right now. And uh, Mm. it's going to be interesting because, like I said earlier, you got way too many forwards. Um, You can only do so much in terms of sending guys to the minors. You're going to have to move some people. Did did Schaller uh, play at center at all last year, or was he almost exclusive? No, he played on the left side. And I think the thing that really... uh, kind of got to the group here was the fact that you know he was playing with he was playing with Horvat a lot through November December he was giving every opportunity to not only like do his PK thing which struggled initially and he was part of that struggle but he did get a lot of time you know you're playing with Bo Horvat you should be putting up some numbers and he didn't put up any and the next thing you know he sat the next 11 games so uh, I think there was an appetite from his from his corner to say, you know what, it's I know it's only a two-year deal, but it's just not working in Vancouver. And uh, maybe move him somewhere else, but I don't think there's any takers. But uh, again, uh, you could create a little bit of cap space by moving him to Utica. And, and right now, I, I just don't see him as a fit or even as an extra guy. I mean, I, I could be proven wrong. 
but uh, in my opinion, I don't think he brought anything to the table. Yeah, um, you know, the the win above replacement on a player like that is minimal at best, right? Yeah. So, uh, so uh, Vasily put Coles in. Uh, that was the pick. I mean, we're at the draft. The Oilers got Broberg at eight. Any further thoughts on uh, he's playing for St. Petersburg currently over in the KHL? Uh, yeah. How did that play out there? Uh, mixed reviews. Uh, I think I, I, I understood it to a degree. I mean, it, the team is selling it as, well, hang on a second, whether he's in the K or the O or the Q or the dub, he might need two years of development. Um, I, I take a little bit of issue with that because you never know when guys are playing in the K and the Canucks history with Russian players. Uh, you know, Trampkin has a year left on his deal. Canucks are hoping to get him back in the fold here next year. Uh, I wonder a little bit about that. I think there was a little bit of debate at the table. I think Soderstrom, if I'm not mistaken, went 11th. Boldy went 12th. Yeah. Uh, they were on the radar. Broberg was obviously on the radar. Um, some of the guys, other guys I wrote about were gone already. But uh, um, I understand it to a degree, taking him at 10. I think, I, you know, he got a great under-18 tournament. But, you know, the body of work isn't great. Um is it a reach? I mean, people told me that was a great pick, and other people have told me, geez, you know, uh, I think they would have gone in another direction. Uh, a lot of people, man, a lot of people thought he was going to go in the top five midway through the Well, year. I know, but what scared him was the contract. You know, right. it, was, it was a contract. It's, uh, you know, teams can throw money at these guys to, to stay home. Yeah. And, you know, Trampton was here and looked like he was going to be a top four guy, uh, got married, had a tough season, looked like he was going to be a top four guy. Next thing you know, he, he got had just been married and next thing you know, he wanted to go home. So you never know about that stuff. And I think that was my only concern. That's why I didn't have them picking put Colson at 10. Um, but they did. And like I said, Soderstrom was there at 11 and Boldy at 12 and you guys got Broberg. So uh, there you go. All right. One final question for you. You talked about the fact that uh, the Canucks could maybe use a senior executive. You know where I'm going next. Peter Shirelli. Yeah. Is, well, there's a connection. I mean, there's would, a connection. would he fit the bill? Would he fit? Would he fit the bill there? He would fit the bill depending on my whole thing here in Vancouver about a senior advisor is, is okay. A, what's your autonomy, and can you just be an advisor in the sense that you're another voice of reason? I don't think that. I don't know if the Canucks. Are, I, I just don't believe they're going to fill the presidency here because they operated without it this season and there's no plans now to hire anybody but yeah i think of somebody like shirelli who has a history with benning that dates back to boston uh I've, I've heard some rumor of that i mean i did ask benning the other day about you know somebody in a senior capacity he didn't name names but he likes his hockey ops department and that's what a gm's supposed to say but i really think deep down as much as they're going to make some changes in their development and amateur scouting and things of that nature i really think they could use somebody in a senior capacity. And last time I checked, Shirley's still looking for work. So we'll there, see. there you go. Well, he's uh, he's looked after for a little bit. Well, yeah, but you know these guys. You can only you, you can't you can only stay away for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's like you. It's like you and me. You know. Yeah, well, that's that's why we're sitting talking hockey in August because it's <laughs> awesome. Hey Ben, thanks for taking time to join us. Okay. Yeah, we'll see you. Hey, I'll see you in that preseason game there, and uh, 
Yeah, from Post Media, Ben Kuzma. Yeah. And you notice we changed the tweet for you. But, you know, I've, I've noticed this about Brendan. Uh, you know, all great producers are uh, are one step ahead of everybody else. So uh, maybe you ultimately do end up at The Athletic. Who knows? Well, maybe uh, maybe there's maybe there's an email waiting for me that I haven't checked yet. I've either been fired or hired. I should check. <laughs> all right. Great stuff, man. Okay. Thanks a lot, man. Okay, take take care. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is Ben Kuzma out of Vancouver. We'll tell you that uh, it is 12.55 in order fans if you're looking for a great sports weekend trip you can join us in new york city this october the Oilers play the devils and the rangers plus you have an opportunity to see the dallas cowboys against the jets the new york package includes four nights at the weston hotel a welcome reception with yours truly we'll have parking at the value park in edmonton uh, for the Oilers now an nfl tour and uh, it's it's getting sold out. It's going pretty good. Uh, you can reach New West Travel at 780-432-7446 or online at newwesttravel.com. Carrie McCarthy up next with a global news weather traffic update. And then you. You can text us at 630-630 on our Heartland Ford text line and reach us on a River Creek Resort and Casino hotline, 780-496-0063. Lots to talk about, including your favorite goal in Oilers history. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.